Good morning. Good morning. It's wonderful to be here this fourth Advent Sunday. Wow. How many more days to Christmas? Six. Six days to Christmas. And how's your preparations going? Have you bought all the stuff that you needed to buy? I haven't. I've yet to get my turkey. <laughs> you know, um, you know, people look forward to Christmas, right? Um, for different things, for different reasons. Um, some people, like me, I do look forward to not so much the caroling, but the turkey and the trimmings, the mince pies, the malt wine, and other yummies. I really look forward to that. And um, talking to Eugene, I found out recently that in Japan, Christmas involves another kind of food. You want to take a guess? So... Christmas in Japan involves looking forward to eating KFC. You know, apparently it's a national tradition in Japan to eat Kentucky Fried Chicken on Christmas. Right? I mean, turkey, Kentucky, I think Kentucky is probably the easier way to go. You know, so, you know, whether, whether it's turkey or KFC or Kentucky, the season of Advent leading to Christmas um, tends to be, I mean, in today's world at least, uh, tends to be, tends to have a warm and fuzzy feeling to it. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, the feel-good Hallmark movies, which my husband, Lance, here loves. Um, you know, things like Be of Good Cheer, you know, spreading the Christmas spirit. Um, basically, all things happy and jolly. But did you know that the event leading to the very first Christmas was a far cry from the warm and fuzzy feelings we have come to associate uh, Christmas with. I see two knots there. Yeah. You know, it was filled with anxiety, uncertainty, and disruptions as two young people heard from the angels that Christmas is coming. The two young people, Mary and Joseph. Mary probably... Um, not more than 16 years of age at that time. And Joseph, probably around 18 to 20. Okay, so we're going to have a story time today. It's a story time about Joseph. Are you ready for story time? Yeah. Yes, yes? Okay. Now, I'm going to begin by reading a text for today. And it's uh, from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. You can follow along with your bulletin or here it will be online, I mean, on, on the slide. So now the birth of Jesus Christ happened this way. While his mother, Mary, was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband-to-be, was a righteous man, and because he did not want to disgrace her, he intended to divorce her privately. When he had contemplated this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This all happened so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did what the angel of the Lord told him. He took his wife, but did not have marital relations with her until she gave birth to a son, whom he named Jesus. You think about it, you have a dream. You wake up and you just go do it. Very easy, right? We're going to dig into um, the story a little bit more. Uh, why did Joseph do what he did? But before that, let us pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that um, you do not leave us alone. Thank you for your presence, that you are with us. God, as we listen to this story from a long time ago, um, help us to see how how it's still very relevant to our lives, how our story today can find a place in this story um, from a long time ago. Fill our hearts with your love. Fill our hearts with you. Amen. Okay, so this is what we're going to do today. We first, we're going to look at why Joseph might have been afraid. And, what, and secondly, what gave him courage in the face of fear. And thirdly, what does that mean for all of us here? Surely, I mean, we struggle with that too, right? Don't we? I mean, I do. But I'm going to start with a little bit of background on Joseph. So Joseph was a Jew. He lived in the first century. He did not grow up with Santa Claus. He would have grown up in the synagogue, you know, um, or rather, the synagogue was probably a big part of his life, you know, and that means that he would have been very familiar with scripture, um, what we call the Old Testament today. And the various stories of scripture, he would have been familiar. And anyway, some of these, many of these stories were part of his family history. And Matthew describes Joseph as a righteous man. What does that mean? What does righteous mean? What does being righteous mean? Uh, you know, um, if you ask around, people will say, oh yeah, that means you are honest. That means you don't cheat on people. That means you are upright. Yes, it can include all of those things. But in that culture, righteous means having a right relationship with God, which would include taking the Torah, taking scripture seriously, not just knowing the commandments, but actually doing the commandments. And guess what Joseph would have known? He would have known the hopes and longings of the Jewish people. You know, like, like Hong Kong people, I mean, Hong Kong people have hopes and dreams too, right? You have hopes and dreams for your country. I mean, for your city, for, your, um, for different um, segments of the community. So Jewish people had hopes and dreams too. And Joseph would have been familiar with that. Excuse me. So, what were their hopes and dreams? See, for many, many years, the Jewish people were ruled by foreigners. And in, and in Joseph's time, they were under the rule of Rome. But they wanted to be free from that. You know, this oppressive foreign power. They, they, want, they want God to show up again. They want God to put things right for them. They want God to save them. Like how? Like, do you remember when God led some people parting the water and going across? Do you remember that? So they wanted something like that. They wanted to be free. And it wasn't just, it wasn't that they were just like, oh, they had wishful thinking, right? Like, 
you know, I just hope that could happen. It was God's promise to them that one day He would send someone to set them free, to deliver them, to, and this someone would come from the line of David. And they waited for that someone. They waited. And they waited. And they waited from one generation to the next. The advent was not... Who can tell me how many days are advent uh, this time around? It's around 28, apparently. But the advent was for hundreds of years. They were waiting. And in Joseph's time, they were still waiting in the midst of political and economic oppression. The advent was a longing for Christmas that was born out of pain and suffering. For many of us, a longing for Christmas born out for, you know, um, yes, yeah, some, sometimes pain and suffering, but um, oftentimes it's for all things nice and pretty, happy and jolly. But for them, the longing for Christmas, for Christ to come, was born out of pain and suffering. That was Joseph's woe. Now, with all that in mind, how do you think Joseph felt when he got the, mem the, the memo from God through the angel? Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. How do you think Joseph felt upon hearing that? He was probably afraid. And I know that angels say, do not be afraid. But sometimes, you know, that's how it works, right? The more you say to someone, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, and the more afraid that person gets. So why, why might Joseph be afraid? What, what do you think? First, his reputation was at stake. G Joseph was required by Jewish law to divorce Mary. See, you know, remember I was talking about being righteous? means you follow the law. And to follow the law means you need to divorce Mary. So the question has, was never whether he should divorce her, but rather how he should divorce her. So divorcing Mary would preserve Joseph's reputation because then the shame would be on Mary. But then, what did the angel say? Marry her. So to marry Mary, <laughs> to marry Mary, that's like saying, hey, I'm the baby's father and I got her pregnant even before we got married. And the shame that would have been Mary's would become Joseph's forever. And you know what? It's not something to be taken lightly. It's something that, that's going to invite a lot of backlash from society, from community, a lot of, you know. It's something to be afraid of. And secondly, although Joseph did not fully grasp the meaning of all this virgin conception and the child named Jesus, he was also not completely ignorant to what those things might be pointing to. Remember, he, you know, he, he knows his family history, he knows um, scripture, and his people have been longing and waiting for a long, long time. Maybe it's something like this. Ha! Huh. Maybe he was thinking, could it be, could it be that this Jesus person is the one who would come and set us free? 
No, wait, wait, wait. But that's a scary thought. I mean, wait, I mean, why, why use me? I'm a, I'm a nobody, right? But then again, I am from the line of David. Maybe it could be. It would seem like this big thing, you know, to just even entertain the idea of what that might mean. Also, the idea of what would it be like to adopt this kid, this baby, and become his parent? And what is this kid going to do? I mean, you have this drama, you know, angel coming, you know, um, saying that I have to call him Jesus. What is he going to do? Oh my gosh, is he going to get us into trouble? See, Caesar doesn't like opposition or competition. He just kills them all. Oh my gosh, there's just so many things I don't know. It's scary. But you see, Joseph was ready to obey and follow his God, even when he had so many reasons to be afraid to not do it. Even when things seem so uncertain, even when his plan for his life would be utterly disrupted. And he might be laughed at by others, teased by others, ridiculed by others. And it would cost him his reputation and more. But he was ready to obey and follow. What gave Joseph the courage? God himself. God sent an angel to tell Joseph, hey, this is what's happening. Um, I'm telling you so you know you have what you need to navigate the situation. But notice that God did not take Joseph out of the situation. He gave him enough to walk the situation. Now, that's very unlike many of us, unlike me. If I get into a difficult place, guess what I want? God, get me out of here, please. Any one of you feel the same way? Yeah, I see many, many nods. See, if something is inconvenient or costly or does not make sense or just plain silly or ridiculous, we think it must not be from God. We just want out. And this brings me to my next point. See, although Joseph could not predict how God would work in every situation, he knew his God. He knew how God worked his plan out in his own family history in ways that were unexpected and sometimes just totally lacking in common sense. And see, and Joseph had many examples of men and women in scripture who obeyed God's call even when it was plain ridiculous, plain silly. Abraham, what did he do? God said, get up and go. And what did he do? He got up and he went. Not quite knowing what's going to happen. And Moses, trusting God, he led a bunch of people, you know, and he used a stick, he waved his stick, and guess what? The, the sea parted. And I was just telling the earlier um, service how, you know, his reputation was really at stake here. I mean, if God says do that, I mean, you must really trust God, right? Um, because you're going to look really silly. I mean, you have this group of people, you go there, okay, still there. Many of us probably would not risk that. And then, you know, there were those people, I'm sure you've heard of them, they marched around the walls of Jericho, round and round and round. How silly, how ridiculous was that? You know, church, we also have access to God's guidance 
and God's encouragement. Um, maybe it's sometimes through an angel. But whether, whether you see an angel or not, uh, in person or in your dreams, we all have been given something that Joseph did not have. Can anyone tell me what we have? The Holy Spirit, God's presence with us to guide us and to help us along. And you know what? We also have access to stories of God's amazing ways in people's lives, which reminds us and tells us about how much God loves us and that He doesn't leave us alone to slog it out. These stories encourage us. These stories help us to obey, to follow and to trust and to have courage in the face of fear. Have you, how many of you have been here the last few weeks? I just want to, okay. So you would have heard the sharing of many, of a few testimonies and stories, right? Did that spur you on? Did that encourage you? Did that perhaps tell you a little bit more about the God um, whom you worship, but you might not know all the aspects of that God? Yeah? And you know what? Today we are, going to do the same. We are continuing on that journey. We have a sharing by Dorothy. She was here um, in the first service. Um, we have a sharing by her testifying to the amazing, amazing love of God. So let us um, see the video now. Good morning, church. The peace of Christ be with you all. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you my story of how I was able to face the fear of loss, change and the unknown with the love of Christ and the support of the community at CCHK behind me, carrying me when I was lost and afraid. My family and I started attending CCHK in 2002 at the invitation of a close family friend. I had attended a convent school when I was growing up in Australia, but had fallen away from the church after I came to Hong Kong, got married, and was busy raising my young family. But after the terrorist attacks in September 2001, I experienced a deep sense of longing for God, and I was very grateful when our friend introduced us to CCHK, and we found a warm and inviting church home here. My husband Terence was not a believer, but he would often accompany me and my daughters, Nicole and Caitlin, to church on Sundays, and he was on friendly terms with some of the men in church. In early 2007, our family went on a trip to Hawaii. It was a trip that we had all been looking forward to, but our family time together was marred by Terence's intense back pain, which spoiled the atmosphere of our trip and our family time together. After we got back to Hong Kong, Terence went to see the doctor to try and identify the source of his intense back pain. After a series of tests, we finally found out the true cause of Terence's back pain. It was a diagnosis of stage four lung cancer, which had metastasized to his spine. I was in a state of shock after I received the news, especially when the doctor said that Terence's life expectancy would only be about six months. 
What do you do when your whole life gets turned upside down in a blink of an eye? I went into a downward spiral and I suffered from insomnia, panic and anxiety. I was unable to sleep for at least two months after the initial diagnosis. I often felt weak and exhausted and I was angry at God for allowing this to happen to my family. Our young daughters were only teenagers at the time and I was afraid for their future without their father with them. During this period, I was greatly comforted by the ladies in my CCHK life group who would meet with me weekly to pray for healing and comfort. They provided great emotional support. God is faithful and hears and answers our prayers. Eventually, I was able to accept what was happening, but I continued to question God as to why he allowed it to happen. My health improved and I was able to sleep at night and I was able to cope much better mentally and emotionally. The men in CCHK also stepped up to minister to Terence during his cancer journey. One day after lunch, they planted a seed that Terence should consider getting baptised because he was starting to know God and have a relationship with him. But Terence was a strong-minded and stubborn individual. He told me he saw no reason why he needed to get baptised because he already knew God and believed in him. I kept quiet when he said these things because I knew I couldn't change his heart. Only God could. As the months went by, there were signs of hope. Initially, the chemotherapy did help to shrink some of the cancer tumours. But after a while, it would stop working and then we would have to move to the next line of chemotherapy and other additional treatments. Living with a terminal illness is like living in a dark grey cloud of despair with no sunshine to come and give some respite. It was only with the love and support of family and brothers and sisters in CCHK that we were able to cope through that difficult time. One day when we were all at home with Terence's father and his brothers and sisters who had come from overseas to visit him in Hong Kong, we received a visit from Pastor Scott who came with Pearl and K.O. Yap. It was during this visit that the Holy Spirit unexpectedly descended upon Terence and he asked Pastor Scott to baptise him. I couldn't believe my ears. I had been praying earnestly for Terence to be able to be baptised for so long and now my wish was finally coming true. That day, in the presence of all his family members, Terence was baptised and he finally became a child of God and had his name entered into the Book of Life. My girls and I were so happy it felt like a moment of pure joy in a time of great sadness. Six weeks later after he was baptised, Terence passed away in August 2008. I felt peace in my heart knowing that he was with God and that his suffering on earth had finally come to an end. Once again, the brothers and sisters of CCHK stepped up and helped me organise his funeral. 
We even had a small church choir that sang at his memorial service. Where would I have been without them? I can't imagine how I would have coped. God sent these angels to be with me and to reassure me that my girls and I would be okay and would be able to move on with our lives. They were right. I was promoted at my job when I went back to work about a month after the funeral. My girls graduated from high school, went to college, and grew up to be grounded and independent individuals. And now I'm happily retired after a long career as a banking lawyer here in Hong Kong. Even in the face of a life-shattering experience, we can have courage and faith in God, knowing that He will use all things for His purposes. As it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Thank you for listening today. Thank you, Dorothy, for your very encouraging and life-giving testimony. In fact, thank you, Pro and Keo, for being there and the rest of the community whom um, I might not know, but um, it's wonderful to see how community comes around each other. Um, and that's why we need to share stories. How do you feel just listening um, to Dorothy's sharing? You know, God's ways are not our ways. He has his own timing, his way of doing things. The Holy Spirit does the things that the Holy Spirit does, um, not according to our, our wishes, but what he knows best. And he often works in ways that are disruptive, right? Unexpected. And so, even the way that God works in your life, the way that God works in your life, may not be what you're expecting. You know, I know many people um, whose situations are such that they think there's no way, no chance that God is in my situation or God is working anything in my situation. Is that you today? You know, whatever your situation might be, may I invite you this Advent? A few more days left uh, to Christmas. But I invite you nonetheless to enter into a space of longing for Christmas in a different way. You know, I, um, I've, I've always loved Christmas. You know, growing up, I've always loved Christmas. That, but there was a few years in my life when... Um, I went through a pretty dark time and I did not want Christmas. It's too happy for me. You know, there was no place to accommodate my pain and suffering. And so today I invite you to enter into a space of longing for Christmas from a place of pain and suffering. Your pain, your suffering, but also the pain of the world the sufferings of the world. Entering from a place of disappointments, 
maybe if you're like me, you probably have had many disappointments in life. Or from a place of fear, fear of the past, fear of the present, fear of the future. There's so much fear going on right now, fear of COVID. I fear quarantine. I fear not being able to make quarantine. I fear if I travel, I will miss the plane or I get tested positive and then miss the plane. There's just so much fear going on. You know, the first advent has come. The, Jesus has come, right? But we are actually still in the waiting. We are waiting and waiting and waiting and hoping and expecting the second advent, the second coming of Jesus. And he will come. That's what he said he'll do. He will come. And you know what? God's good purpose is unstoppable. And this is the series we've, that we've been on. It's unstoppable. So let us wait with courage. For he who began a good work, I know, I know you have heard this so many times, but hear this anew as a word from the Lord to you. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So Bonhoeffer says this, that the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. Is that you? That's me. Brothers and sisters, in what ways today are you feeling troubled, poor or imperfect, or maybe you're fearful, or maybe you're feeling lonely? What is something that you're looking for or longing for? What is something that you are escaping from? For that's just one other way that we deal with feelings that we don't want to, to touch. Do you need courage in that space? What is one thing you need courage for? Jesus is here with us, Emmanuel, God with us. And he is waiting for you to invite him in, anew, afresh. But of course, if you don't know him, he is waiting for you to invite him in for the first time. Let's wait and invite him to dwell with us here in our hearts, in this community, in Hong Kong in a world that so badly need to see light and hope. Let us pray. God, we come before you and stand in all of you. In all of you. In all of your great love for us. You saw that we needed help. You saw that we were longing to see this world restored. You saw that we were broken by our own brokenness and the sins of other people, the sins of the world. And you decided to come in the person of Jesus Christ to save us from the world, the brokenness of the world, and also to save us from ourselves. 
So we thank you. And this season of Advent, looking forward to Christmas, we come before you with all the longings of our hearts. We bring before you all the pains and sufferings that we have experienced in the past or those that we fear that might come upon us in the future. We bring before you and say, Come, Lord Jesus. I leave them with you. This is yours. Amen.